What is going on, everyone? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here on today's episode, we're going to talk about the NFC biggest needs for NFC teams, as well as our top five uh, rookie quarterback prospects coming up for this year's draft. So it should be a lot of fun. And now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew and our special guest. What's going on, guys? Eric, your ranting co-host here. Uh, excited to have a guest on this episode. We haven't had a guest on in a good little bit, so uh, I'm excited for that. And uh, I wasn't even sure if I was going to be in this episode. I had some work concerns, but I just, by the squeak of time, made it in. So, <laughs> so glad to be back again and getting another episode going. What's up, guys? It's Nate here. I'm looking forward to talking about um, really looking forward to talking about the uh, quarterback rankings. I'm excited to get into some uh, draft stuff finally. That's right around the corner here, so I'm um, looking forward to getting that off. Uh, looking forward to getting that kicked off and uh, talking with Caleb tonight. What's up, y'all? My name is Caleb Walgren. I am the host of Brody Sports Talk. Uh, you could call me the Brody who is in the know as far as NFL content is concerned. Uh, I've been a huge NFL draft fan for as long as I can remember. Probably going to be the 20th year in a row watching the draft live, so I'm excited for it. Uh, because I'm joining the Clutch Crew guys, i got to give a little bit of the Duval out because I know that uh, – yeah. <laughs> You know, when you're, when you're hanging out with the Jags fans, you're talking NFL draft, NFL quarterbacks. We got to celebrate Trevor Lawrence early and often. So uh, I'm excited for them. You know, they're they're getting to pick first. They've been on the clock for months. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks. Uh, and and definitely, guys, I listen to Brody Sports Talk every week. They're they're a great sports podcast to listen to. So follow them on basically anywhere you listen podcasts you can find them and give them a follow there they've got good stuff connor who's not on today's episode was actually uh, a guest on their latest episode i feel like this is podcast guest season right now or something uh but yeah they they do good stuff and we're happy to have you on board for this week's episode so going around the shield like we always do to start the episode off and this is going to be nfc biggest team needs so Kind of like for the AFC, we're just going to be looking at the two biggest needs for every team in the NFC conference. And I will start things off, guys. We are going to do the NFC North division first with the Chicago Bears. So the Bears were a playoff team last year, but I really don't think that's where they are as a franchise right now. I, I think it was a fluke they made the playoffs, to be honest. In kind of a weak NFC, they squeaked in with that seventh playoff spot. Um, but I came up with the two biggest needs for the Bears. And need number one, I wonder if you guys would agree with this or not, but I picked quarterback to be their biggest need. Um, they have a lot of money at that position right now with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. But combined, neither of those guys are really the long-term answer. Foles has maybe one year left. They can get rid of him, I think, after this year. And then Andy Dalton was just a one-year rental. I, I believe it's just going to be a one-year rental with Andy Dalton. So the problem the Bears are in are that they made the playoffs and they have a much farther back draft spot. So that's going to hurt them as far as their ability to get a quarterback, at least one of the top guys, unless they trade up. So... Even with that being said, though, I still feel like this team is a good team, but they are really missing a quarterback, and um, they really have been missing one for a long time. So quarterback I have is the Bears' biggest need. And then I'm going to keep the offensive theme going and have offensive tackle as my second biggest need for the Bears. They're, I just know watching the Bears, their offensive line is really, really bad. Um, and they could probably get a number of offensive linemen to fill holes on, on that line. But I picked tackle specifically just uh, because it's a little bit more important and their tackles are really bad. Um, 
It's important, though. You really need to have a good offensive line. This is, uh, if you look at the best teams, they always have good offensive lines. I feel like they will be in position to draft a tackle where they're where they're picking from. So uh, I wouldn't I w- wouldn't be surprised if they go tackle there in the first round. But uh, they have a solid defense. I think with Allen Robinson, if he plays, they have some weapons on offense. It's just they need to get the quarterback and they need to get protection for the quarterback. So those I think are the Bears' biggest needs. And I'll pass it over to Caleb now, who's, of course, a Packers fan. So I'm excited to hear about what you think your favorite team, the Packers, where their two biggest needs are going to be. Absolutely. The the Green Bay Packers is back-to-back division champs. And also, uh, I'll put the good and the bad together, back-to-back, you know, NFC championship losers. Uh, they do have some needs. And to me, the biggest ones, they start at wide receiver. I like Alan Lazard. He graded out as one of the best run blockers at receiver in the league this last year. But in general, when you look at the depth and when Lazard was out, Equimania St. Brown, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Malik Taylor, it, it it's basically Devontae Adams or bust at wide receiver right now. Uh, it made it a lot easier for Robert Tanyan to jump onto the scene this past year. But, you know, let's give Rodgers at least some love. I mean, He's doing a great job guest hosting Jeopardy, but I don't want him to consider that his future career right now. The other position that I have is inside linebacker. I really feel like with Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin, they were able to do some good things towards the end of the year, but there's just not a whole lot invested at that position currently. You're looking at players that, you know, Kamal Martin was a fifth round pick last year. It, and he's probably our better inside linebacker. You, you've got to be able to invest a little bit more in that position so that you can tackle downhill, stop the run. We got ate, ate up by the run a lot last year, especially if you look at Dalvin Cook in our division. He would continuously feast on our defense, not necessarily because of our line, but because our linebackers were not that strong. Uh Oh, oh, sorry. I was like, I was trying to pass it, but I was like, I can't remember who was up. To oh, it. oh, oh okay. I, didn't know, <laughs> I, I, I kind of I didn't know you were done talking. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, it, it kind of sounded like you cut off. So I was like, wait, is he? It, it kind of sounded like you were passing it off, but then it also my, sounded like you apologies. were not quite done. I was like, oh, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. I definitely Maybe. think um, Connor will agree with you. I know he always talks about like the. He's always like the linebackers get forgotten in today's defenses. And so he'll appreciate that you say, uh, say linebackers, but Eric, you are next um, with the Minnesota Vikings. So what do you think are the two biggest needs for the Vikings? Um, So the biggest needs that I have for the Minnesota Vikings, uh, I actually debated putting quarterback in here because, uh, if anybody's listened to you know some of our episodes where we've talked about the NFC North, uh, I'm not really a believer in Kirk Cousins. I feel like the the Vikings do need to move on from him at some point. But kind of like though what Zach talked about with the QB situation for the Bears, they're not really in a great spot to be able to draft one. But I do think they should it, maybe at least get one later in the draft to at least try to start finding a replacement because obviously they don't have a good option behind him. So they, they need to get somebody, but I'm not going to consider that they're like their number one biggest need or anything, but I wanted to mention that because obviously quarterbacks, the most important position and I don't feel like Minnesota has the answer there, but, but the two biggest immediate needs that I'm going with for them right now that I feel like they can address in the draft are going to be, uh, within the secondary, uh, especially at the safety position, uh, Harrison Smith is obviously a talented player, but I've seen him. I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but I feel like he has started to regress a little bit. Like he's still good, but he, I don't think he's elite like he used to be. Uh, but even still, regardless, they need another safety opposite of him. They really need a good, strong safety. I don't really feel like they have the answer there. 
And even with corners, like they brought in Patrick Peterson, but I haven't seen, he doesn't seem to be at the same level that he used to be at either. So I really feel like the secondary as a whole needs a help. Uh, secondary as a whole needs a boost, but especially the strong safety position. And then my other need for them, I feel like they need to address is going to be on the offensive line, uh, especially within the interior offensive line. I feel like they could use another, uh, another guard. Uh, obviously when you've got Dalvin cook back there, you obviously want him getting as many lanes as possible. He's one of the best running backs in the NFL. So obviously you want him to be able to, you know, get even better. So uh, they could use some guard help and on that offense and, uh, and they really could use the safety. So those are my two biggest needs for them right now. All right. That's fair. And then we'll round things out with the NFC North and have Nate talk about the Detroit lions. Yeah, so I mean, the Detroit Lions really have a lot of needs. Uh, still, I think they're definitely in rebuilding mode. So um, you can basically say most positions on the team are, you know, positions of need right now uh, for the next year going forward. But the two I'm, I think, are most glaring on the defensive side of the ball. I think, you know, they're very porous last year. And um, aside from acquiring Michael Brockers, they haven't really done too much of uh, impact to shore up, up that side of the ball. I think the two biggest positions there they should look at are linebacker and uh, DB. Uh, their linebackers last year were just basically, you know, slow and ineffective. And especially in a division where you've got, uh, you got to play Dalvin Cook twice a year. You got to play um, Aaron Jones is staying around now. It's like you got to have fast linebackers to uh, try and, you know, make try and contain those guys and uh, play sideline to sideline and. Um, keep them from getting out of hand and eating you with the run there. So I think they should really look at, you know, someone like Micah Parsons maybe out of Penn State or uh, just some kind of athletic linebacker in the draft um, and kind of upgrade that position for sure. And then as far as DBs go, after uh, since Darius Slay left, they really haven't uh, had much of impact back there. Uh, it was pretty bad last year, and they definitely got to upgrade going forward. Um I'm not sure who I would target specifically with that position, but it's just something they need to definitely invest in this draft. Uh, I know there's issues really all over the ball. They're like I said, they're in rebuilding mode. So like, I mean, I don't think Lions fans can really complain about upgrade at any position right now. But <laughs> um, I think they should definitely look to address, um, try and bring in some more DB talent, uh, especially as the league becomes more pass happy. And obviously, you're still playing in a division with Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, Kurt Cousins, okay. They've got some good receivers in Minnesota. Um, so it's definitely got to short the defensive side of the ball first. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying there. Like, they did bring in a defensive head coach, too. So I feel like he's going to want to bring guys to play on that side of the ball and maybe bite some kneecaps off. I don't know if you guys ever, if you guys heard about that or not, but their head coach is, uh, He's interesting. I'll say that uh, Dan <laughs> Campbell. <laughs> um, all right. So moving on now to another division here with the NFC East. I have the still nameless, really, in my opinion, Washington football team. I really hope they don't keep that as their name. I want them to actually pick a real mascot and real team name. So hopefully they don't stick with football team, but <laughs> apparently they might. So um, but other than needing a name change, uh, they have two needs, I think, both on offense. And I'll start with quarterback again because um, I think it's definitely fair. The Bears and the Red, uh, the almost said it, the the Bears and the football team, uh, they really need have needed quarterbacks for so long. And the thing with Fitzpatrick is, I'm a big fan of Fitzpatrick for this year, but. Knowing Fitzpatrick, it's one good year, one bad year, typically. And even one good game, one bad game. So it's like, he's not the long-term answer, obviously. But I do think he's really good for this season. With that being said, though, it doesn't stop them at all from drafting a quarterback. And I think they might actually be one of those teams that drafts a quarterback in the first round, wherever they pick at. And 
it be somebody like Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond, somebody like that, um, just because they're definitely going to be free to develop them for a year under Fitzpatrick, and they don't have to play right away. And plus you have like that Heineke guy, um, Kyle Allen, I think is still there. So they have quarterback depth where that rookie who might be a little bit raw could still um, potentially be the future for them. I don't think that'd be a bad option because they're obviously not about to win the Super Bowl. So it's not like they need to go out and get one specific person to be like, all right, Washington's about to win a Super Bowl. No, they, they could definitely draft and develop a quarterback. And I'm always pro drafting quarterbacks. Um, I think every team should draft one somewhere in the draft every year, unless you have it completely solved. But so quarterback I have is the number one biggest need. And then I have tight end as the second biggest need. It seems like Washington always loses out in free agency on tight end. I know when the Austin Hooper tight end was a free agent, a lot of Washington fans really wanted to get him. He ended up going to Cleveland this year. The big name was uh, John U. Smith and Hunter Henry, and Pat's obviously snatched both of them up. So they still, kind of like the Jaguars, are missing the tight end. And they have a good running back. They have some good receivers. They have some people on the offensive line. It's not great, but it's serviceable. But they have nobody at tight end, I think. So tight end, to me, you can get those a bit later in the draft, but I definitely expect they'll get one because they that's a glaring, glaring need for them on offense. Um, so I'll pass it over to Caleb now, and he's going to talk about the Giants' two biggest needs. The New York Giants were oddly only one game behind the football team to try to make the playoffs this past year. But that doesn't mean that they don't have a, a longer list of needs as well. Uh, the two needs that I kind of focused in on when I was looking at them started at cornerback. I know that they have James Bradbury. They brought in a Dory Jackson. But really, those are the only two corners that are good at all. Uh, in today's NFL, you have to be able to put out three cornerback, four cornerback sets. You have a slot guy. The Giants are not close to that. They're not uh, getting anywhere near close to that anytime soon. It's going to be a work in progress for the New York Giants to get things put together on the back end of that defense. The other part of that that goes together is I have their second big need as outside linebacker. Leonard Williams did a great job last year. He was one of the leaders in the league in terms of sacks. But behind him was now-departed Kyler Fackrell, who had four sacks. That was the second-leading sack player on the team. You've got to get more production out of your outside linebackers in rushing the passer. I think if they were to draft an edge rusher in the first round, that that would be a solid move for them. I don't know if that's exactly the direction that they're looking at. I also could argue guard or nose tackle as they need some help on the interior of both the offense and defensive lines, but cornerback and outside linebacker stood out to me. All right, Eric, you have the Philly Philadelphia Eagles. I know you love that team. Uh, talk about their two biggest needs um, in your opinion. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe I didn't draw the Dallas Cowboys or you know, the team I picked a lot last year, the New York football giants for this. I can't believe I got stuck with the Eagles. Hey, I have to mix it up. I have to mix it up. I can't give you your favorite teams every time. <laughs> hey, that, you know, it's cool. It's cool. You know, I, it's I okay. You the Saints. <laughs> oh yeah, true. I, I, I do. I have always been cool with the Saints. So that's okay. That's a, that's a fair compromise. I'll take it. <laughs> so kind of, this seems to be a little bit of a theme with the NFC East, obviously, they were a pretty bad division last year, and really every team in that division has a lot of needs, and the Eagles are definitely no different. But the one good thing for the Eagles, at least I feel like they do have a lot of good pieces on that team. They're not a team that needs to completely tear it apart and rebuild, but the glaring needs that I see for them 
are first of all going to be wide receiver. I'm not really impressed with many of the names they have. They have drafted a lot of wide receivers over the last couple of years, but at the same time, they haven't really gotten much production out of any of them. Uh, according to this uh, analysis that I've been looking at, the Eagles wide receiving unit was 30th in the league in receptions per game last year. So obviously that's not going to get it done. So while they still have Zach Ertz on the team, not sure if he'll be there, how much longer he'll be there, but while they still have him and Dallas Goddard, who's pretty good at tight end, wide receiver is a glaring need for this team and they must address that. And then I'm going to, while they definitely have some holes on the defensive end, I'm going to stick with the offensive side of the ball for their second need. And I'm going to go with offensive line. They do have some good pieces here, but they have had a slew of injuries. Brandon Brooks got hurt. Lane Johnson missed a lot of games. And then Jason Kelsey is a good center, but he's 34. So he's running out of time. So even if the, offensive line unit that they have right now even if they do manage to stay healthy this year I think it'll be a fluke if that happens but even if they do manage to stay healthy they need to get some depth and get some pieces for the future of that position because we saw while I don't necessarily think Carson Wentz is a great quarterback or anything uh, if you look at the Super Bowl for example we can see what can even happen to a great quarterback if they don't have an offensive line so Philly needs to address their offensive line if they're going to be able to establish anything going forward. So, um, Nate, I will turn it over to you for the Cowboys. All right. So the Cowboys have a little better roster, a uh, better roster than the Lions do. So um, they don't have as many glaring needs, but uh, there are a couple areas they could still make some upgrades. I think the biggest one uh, for me is, um, or at least the most interesting place for them is their offensive line. Uh, that's basically been like, you know, traditionally been looked at as a strong suit in Dallas. You know, back in the '90s, they were, you know, always very strong up front, and in recent years, they've had, um, you know, some big names: uh, Tyron Smith, uh, Travis Frederick, Zach Martin. All those guys up front have done great for him. But I think that's a place that. Um, they definitely should look to continue to upgrade uh, through the draft, uh, especially um, last year. Zach Martin, I mean, no, sorry, not uh, Martin. Um, Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins both missed basically the whole season. And uh, Smith is, I think he turns 31 this year, which is getting up there in age for, you know, a, a premier left tackle to perform um, at the top of his game. So I think the window on his career is probably starting to close in here and uh you know collins is a great one healthy but um we're still not sure how durable he's going to be going forward so i think they could definitely you know do well to bring in at least some depth um definitely draft a young guy maybe uh depends who falls to them at their draft position but um try and you know get someone in the first round or at least top of the second round to address that need because I think that position could definitely go from a place of strength to a place of weakness for them pretty quick if things don't go their way with these injuries. And then it's going to make things harder for uh, Zeke and Dak with that huge contract he signed. So uh, it's definitely a place you need to invest, I would say, going forward. And then also on the other side of the ball, I think their secondary could use some help. Uh, I know they drafted a corner last year. I'm blanking on his name now, but... Um, I, uh, I think Diggs, they need to. Right? Isn't it Stefan Diggs' brother? That's um, right. Yeah, Diggs. That's right. Yeah. Um, Can't remember yeah. his first name. I don't know, Caleb, if you remember it or not. Uh, is it Trayvon Diggs? Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I think that's what it. Yeah, Trayvon Diggs. Um, that's what yeah. I was trying to think of. But I mean, he's done solid so far since being in Dallas. But I think uh, they could definitely pair someone uh, across from him. Uh, that would I think, go a long way towards helping things out on that side of the ball. They're, I mean, they're great. I think um, their linebackers are great. Uh, they've got Demarcus Lawrence. They made a couple moves um, on the D line to kind of strengthen that up a little bit. The only uh, could use some help is secondary. So I think either drafting a corner uh, or a safety, um, just trying to add some more bodies to that side of the ball would 
uh, definitely go a long way too in Dallas. So uh, I'll pass it back over to Zach now. Yeah, so we are halfway done with the needs, and we'll go to the NFC South next. So an interesting division with some good teams, some bad teams, but I have the Atlanta Falcons to cover. So they are picking number four in the draft. They have the number four pick, and uh, they it's going to be interesting to see if they go quarterback there or other positions. But when I'm looking at this team, uh, tight end to me, I think, is the biggest need for them because uh, Austin Hooper left, and there was a, a huge production loss at tight end when Austin Hooper went to the Browns. Um, and coincidentally, there's a very good tight end also that's in this draft who could be picked by them. So that was another reason why I, I chose tight end because I think Kyle Pitts would be tremendous for them to get. Uh, they have good weapons on offense. Matt Ryan, I the thing... Okay, everybody loves Matt Ryan. I, I think he throws way too many interceptions, honestly. I'm not a huge Matt Ryan fan, but also... I think he's good enough for two, maybe three more years. So I won't be necessarily, I wouldn't be against them if they took a quarterback at four um, because I don't think they'll be at that draft spot and I don't think they're going to have as good of a prospect there as they will this year. But if they want to say, all right, let's try and make the playoffs, let's try and make another deep playoff run with Matt Ryan, I think getting Kyle Pitts and that tight end need, I think, is is glaring since they don't have Hooper anymore. And then on the defensive side of the ball, um, they need a lot of people on defense, to be honest. that The defense is really where Atlanta's lacking. Um, blowing big leads, they're known for doing that. Uh, but I picked edge rushers to be like the specific position group on, on the Falcons that they need help at. They brought in Dante Fowler, but, you know... I always like to say Dante Fowler is Dante F O U L E R because he commits so many personal fouls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, he's and he also wasn't as good as he was with the Rams. They just have really been lacking at that position for so long. Vic Beasley, I remember, had one season where he had so many sacks for him, but since then they really haven't been getting sacks, and I feel like. Uh, like I say, every time when we talk about defense, I always feel like you need to be able to rush the passer because that helps out all the other position groups on defense. They need to get somehow, I and I don't know where it will be in the draft or, or if they will or not, but to me, getting a getting an edge rusher is going to be huge for Atlanta to do. So tight end and edge are the two biggest needs I have for ATL, and I'll let... Caleb talk about the Carolina Panthers and uh, just a warning Caleb we have Panthers fans our primary group of audience for us so hopefully you you say the right two needs for them (laughs) well first the Carolina Panthers would really like the Falcons to not draft a tight end and to definitely take a backup quarterback to Matt Ryan at number four in part because one of my two biggest needs for the Panthers is uh, more pass catchers. Mm-hmm. Right now, their starting tight end for week one would be Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold and Ian Thomas do not inspire me on their tight end depth chart. It is a bad position. The other spot is I really feel like the offensive line just needs a lot of help across the board, um, especially on the interior. I don't know that I would say drafting a tackle would be a huge lift, but I know if Sewell slips or they were able to pick up Rashawn Slater at the spot, at the eighth spot, slide him inside for a year, let him play guard, and then, you know, switch him out to tackle when things line up. Sometimes with offensive line, you just want to have your best five blockers out on the field. And if it's someone who's able to be a tackle, and they're in at guard, great. That means that you're overskilled at that position. That's never a bad situation to be at. Um, so definitely pass catcher, specifically tight end, and offensive tackle would be two big needs for the Panthers. 
All right, so I, I just thought of this. Let's say you're the Panthers GM, and the draft happens to fall where Kyle Pitts and Panay Sewell are both on the board where you're at. You get to pick between one of those two. If you had to pick for the Panthers between those two, which one you, would you pick? I would take Pitts, but that's because, similar to you, I see Pitts being listed like second, third overall in yeah. a lot of these places as uh, best player available. And if I can get someone who is arguably the second or third best player in the draft at eight, I'm mm-hmm. doing it. I don't care that it's maybe not as integral to protecting, you know, the new quarterback. It, I'm giving Sam Darnold an outlet if I get Kyle Pitts. Oh, him. yeah. So, he, he I mean, just let's face it, he's never had anyone. <laughs> he's never had anyone the caliber of Kyle Pitts to play with probably ever. So, (laughs) I think Sam Darnold would uh, approve that pick, and either way. So, but I do think that Pitts would definitely be who I would grab at eight if it was between the two. Uh, Yeah, man, I I agree. I I don't think it's likely that he'll be there for him at eight, but um, crazy things happen every year. You never know. He might get caught with a gas mask on or something like that. <laughs> uh, oh, God. <laughs> uh, Eric, uh, moving over to you now to talk about some of the more elite teams in the division. You've got the New Orleans Saints. So I'm really curious to see what two biggest needs you have for this team. Yeah, well, real quickly, too. I mean, Caleb, don't forget, too, with the Panthers, their tight end situation got even worse because they did lose Chris Manhurts. I mean, that... That, that was a huge that was a huge it's so it's so difficult yeah so they really i agree tight end definitely big need for them after the man hurts loss so um <laughs> who who is greg olson i forget about him but man hurts man oh man yeah what a, oh man, man. That man man hurts <laughs> oh man okay all man hurts jokes aside uh getting to the saints it, it it's honestly amazing to me that the saints even have a need because they have about 500 million dollars in salary relegated through like the 2027 season so with all that money they've spent i don't know how they have any needs on this team but uh i had to had to throw in a salary cap joke for zach there (laughs) don't get me started eric (laughs) Uh 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 (laughs) i'm just kidding uh anyway but i they do have a couple needs on this team and one on one on each side of the ball and for offense same with carolina i feel like the saints really need a tight end jared cook was really the only decent option they had at tight end over the last couple seasons and now he's gone and as far as i know they haven't brought in anybody to replace him or anything so while they have camara and while they have a great o-line and Michael Thomas, they've got a great a lot of great pieces on that offense. They still really need a tight end. And defensively, I feel like they need help at corner. It seems like they get burned a lot. I know we talked about this when we did our this or that, and uh, Connor talked about Marshawn Lattimore getting burned a lot. I feel like with him, it's more of an inconsistent inconsistency thing. It seems like sometimes he looks like a shutdown corner and then other times he gets torched a lot. So it's kind of like, you don't know what you're going to get, but even still when he's playing great, they still don't really have a good corner to play on the opposite side of the field from him. So the saints definitely need to address both of these positions in the draft. And I almost contemplated putting quarterback there as well, just because I don't really know for sure what they're going to do with this whole Taysom Hill and Winston thing. We've talked about it a lot at different points, but for me personally, I don't really feel like either of them are the answer. I feel like they can be temporary band-aid type of answers, but I feel like they need a long-term answer. And I actually almost said the same thing with the Eagles too. And I was talking about them and I wanted to ask Zach about this because Zach mentioned earlier how he's a big, uh, proponent of taking quarterbacks in the draft if you feel like you need them so with these first three teams that i've talked about zach between the vikings saints and eagles obviously none of them are in great draft spots right now uh, Mm -hmm. since the eagles traded back and then the saints of course are way down there but if you were the gm 
of the Eagles, Saints, or the Vikings, would you take a quarterback with your first round pick with on if on any of those three teams, or would you say no, we've got other needs, or no, we can wait? What what would your mindset be here? I, I was curious about that. Yeah, yeah, dude. I yeah, you're right. I'm I'm always like for the Jaguars' sake, like I always want them to get a quarterback in the first round. I wanted them to get one last year. I wanted them to really trade up since they had so many picks and get either Tua or Herbert. But okay, so let me go through these one by one. Minnesota, I'm gonna say no to Minnesota because I feel like Cousins is established enough. Plus. They like extended his contract and his contract is like all guaranteed. So it's like, there's no way they can get out of his contract. Um, So I'm going to say no to the Vikings because I don't think it's bad enough for them to, to need to get one in the first round Eagles. I'm going to say yes, because hurts to me didn't show anything special last year. Hurts reminds me of Gardner Minshew of like, he can win some games, but he's, he's not going to like, lead the team to the playoffs or anything like that. So, and plus they're picking at 12. Now they traded back. They shouldn't have traded back if they were, if I was running them, I wouldn't have traded back. I would have kept the six pick, um, and taken a quarterback there. But even still, I would say take one. And then the saints, I would also say take one because I feel like the saints would be a great spot for a young quarterback to go to with Sean Payton. And they wouldn't have a lot of pressure the first year because, I don't know what's going to happen with the Hill Winston thing, but like you said, I'm not sold on either of them as the long term. So I would definitely take one with as the Saints. There might be one of the top five that falls to them. You never know, or even just another one. I would take one first round and then try and develop him in a couple of years. Uh, so I would say yes to two of them and and no to the. Okay. Other yeah, I, w- I was curious about that because when I was working today and trying to think of the yeah team needs I was going to go with, I came across quarterback for all three of them, but it wasn't pressing enough yeah, for yeah. the top two. So I was like, I need to know what Zach thinks about this. <laughs> it's all good. All right, um, so let's get to the most interesting team on this list here. Just, just pure speculation. Nate's got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was. Talking to him pre-episode about this, I was like, Nate, are you, I, I literally suggested two things, like backup quarterback and Antonio Brown's the two biggest needs. But uh, <laughs> Nate, Nate, I will let you decide on what the Buccaneers' two biggest needs are, and uh, good luck, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely a tricky one to uh, find needs for a team that just won the Super Bowl and is Definitely not a whole lot of needs, you could say. Um, I definitely agree with Zach. Um, both those spots um, are definitely um, important. I mean, I'd like to have a you know someone better than Blaine Gabbert in case you know forty-three-year-old Tom Brady gets hurt. And it will be nice to uh, keep Antonio Brown there as a you know another weapon for Brady. But um, I think the two really like we're going by position groups, the two areas you would consider quote-unquote needs. Uh, to look at, I would say maybe offensive line and um, basically same as same as Dallas, offensive line and secondary. Um, I think obviously the O line uh, did more than well enough last year to help him win the Super Bowl. Um, Brady really wasn't um, getting sacked too much aside from uh, that Saints game in the middle of the season. Um, you know, they mostly looked pretty solid, but they could. Um, it won't hurt to keep adding talent and depth there. Uh, Tristan Wirfs did great as a rookie, and hopefully he'll keep getting better. Um, but I think, you know, especially with a aging quarterback um, who's not super mobile back there, it, it doesn't hurt to keep adding uh, guys who can protect him. Um, and then, you know, other side of the ball, their secondary, again, wasn't obviously wasn't bad. They won the Super Bowl and uh, kept the Chiefs uh, basically in check. But a lot of that was on the part of the pass rush, getting to Patrick Mahomes, and they did a decent job versus like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees in the rest of the playoffs. But um, I think really the secondary wasn't, you know, I mean, it's hard to like nitpick at this stuff, but I think that is one area you could keep adding depth as well. Um, Antoine Winfield and Carlton Davis did uh, good as young players last year. They can keep developing, but... Uh, maybe bringing in a veteran guy or uh, drafting one more uh, cornerback uh, 
wouldn't hurt as well. So um, two areas you could keep working on, I guess, if you really wanted to make some additions. But uh, obviously the Buccaneers are in very good shape uh, going into 2021. Yeah, I definitely would say so. And it's interesting to see where you, where you said that they have needs and they do have needs, guys. So, you know, if you're a fan of 31 other teams, like it's okay. You know, they're not invincible. Um, moving on now to the NFC West, I'm going to start things off with the Arizona Cardinals. So I picked two needs for them on one on each side of the ball. I went with corner as their biggest need. Just because you lose uh, Patrick Peterson, I don't think they've replaced anybody with him with anybody in free agency. Um, I could be wrong, but already, even before Pat Pete left, their corner situation was pretty bad. They haven't addressed it in the draft in a a long time, I feel like. Um, They have some safety help, but really corner is something I think that they can improve on. And then on offense, I went with running back because they Kenyon Drake left left uh, Arizona to go to the Raiders this offseason. So I believe Chase Edmonds is like the only guy there. And now it seems like James Conner is taking a visit there. But still, even if they do um, sign James Conner, I think it would be smart for them to get a running back somewhere in this draft because... Uh, they have receivers. We know that, you know, their, their offense is okay, but I think they could really benefit from adding a running back. Um, so I'm going to corner and running back, but pretty, pretty solid team in the Cardinals. And this one will be interesting. Caleb, you have the 49ers. So go ahead and tell us your two big needs for the 49ers. I really wanted to sarcastically come out and say that they should draft Kyle Pitts because they need a tight end, but they have George Kittle. So I didn't think that would be remotely believable. Uh, Clearly, we all know they traded up to number three because they're going to take a quarterback. Jimmy G hasn't been the answer. They gave up two future firsts and the number 12 this year to go up to three just because they want a new quarterback. That's not a surprise to anyone, so I want to give you two different ones as well. Uh, The first one is going to be at corner. They did re-sign Jason Verrett this offseason, but they lost Richard Sherman. And they just don't have the cornerback depth that they need to have. Next is going to be offensive guard. I really know that they have a lot of talent on the outside with Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey. Alex Mack came in. He's worked with Kyle Shanahan, I believe, in both Cleveland and Atlanta before. So him coming in as a center, it's someone who's really going to know what they're doing on the offensive line. I just don't think that they have enough depth and they need to work that interior of the offensive line because they want to be able to push people around at all five spots. Uh, I mean, that's why they have basically the no-name running back group behind them is because they're able to just have the best blockers on the field every time, and they need to get some more guards in order to do that. Definitely. Uh, Eric, you have the L.A. Rams. So talk about the two biggest needs you think for the Rams. Now they don't have a ton of draft picks. Keep that in mind, but uh, yeah, let's what, what, what will the Rams do with the few draft picks they do have? Yeah. You know, the Jags love acquiring every draft pick possible. And then the Rams love to give them all away. So <laughs> uh, they do not have a ton of draft picks as I mentioned, but I'm going with inside linebacker. Is there Number one biggest need. Hopefully, Connor will give me some credit on this one as well, since he's a big inside linebacker fan. But they were very vulnerable at that position last year. While their defense is really good, they were weak at inside linebacker. They really need some help there. Again, though, like we've been talking about with the draft picks, so not really sure how they're going to be able to address this necessarily. But that is definitely their biggest need for sure on the team, whether they draft somebody or whether there's somebody out there in free agency still, maybe they feel like they could bring in, they, they need to get somebody at inside linebacker because that for sure is the biggest weakness on their team. And then I kind of debated on the second need. I debated between wide receiver and corner, but I ultimately went with corner just because they, 
lost Troy Hill in free agency, and they also uh, they also lost John Johnson as well, and so they really need help in the secondary. But I'm going with corner as a bigger need over safety. So it's looking like they have a third round draft pick from a couple years ago who's slotted to be as the number two corner right now, but he hasn't really played. So I don't know if they have full faith in him, but even if they do have faith in this guy, they're still going to need to get someone else because as Caleb mentioned earlier on the episode, you have to have at least three good cornerbacks in today's NFL, really even four if you can. I know that's hard for teams to do with the salary cap and everything, but you have to have at least three for sure with two outside guys and one slot guy. So the Rams definitely need to get somebody else to fix their secondary for sure. Yeah. And then we'll wrap things off with the Seattle Seahawks. And I know also this is another team that doesn't have a ton of draft picks. I I've seen Caleb do mock drafts. Is it right that they only have three draft picks, Caleb? Uh, you're making me pick off the top of my head. Uh, I don't remember exactly what they have, but they don't have very much. It's involved. like three no, or they four. Do. They just have three picks in this draft, a second, okay. fourth, and a seventh. Uh, you can thank Jamal Adams for that. All right, Nate. So, <laughs> yeah. Nate, so you got to pick two needs with uh, three picks. Go. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, not a great spot for the Seahawks. Being they definitely uh, have some needs they got to address here. Um so, I mean, if I was a Seahawks, honestly, I would probably spend all three picks on O-linemen. And that's probably a, I, mean, that's, I think that's their biggest need as far as what I can see. I mean, obviously, Russell Wilson wasn't happy. I think that's probably part of the reason he, he you know, was contemplating wanting to get out of town uh, earlier this offseason. And uh, now that he's back, he's got to play in a division with uh, Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa, Chandler Jones, and now J.J. Watt. He's got to see all those guys basically for half the season. He's got to play one against one of those guys at least, so it's not going to be fun with that uh, O-line they have currently. So um, they don't have a pick to go after one of those top guys in the draft, but I would definitely, at least one of those picks has to be O-line, and I would like to see um, at least two of them just go after and try and get as much depth as you can to try and uh, figure that situation out there. And then other side of the ball, I think they got to look at cornerback. Um, especially after Shaquille Griffin left in free agency to the Jags. Um, I think that position could definitely be upgraded. It was um, Griffin was good last year, but I think overall their secondary was lacking. I think that needed to be addressed anyways. And uh, without their number one guy back there, I think that's definitely a position of weakness. So um, maybe use one draft pick. Um, I don't know who you're going to get at that late stage in the draft, but um, he's a draft undrafted free agency and, uh, bringing whoever you can to try and uh, keep things dirty back there. Yeah, it's got to be a tough time to be a Seahawks fan watching the draft. I, I can't imagine <laughs> having just three draft picks to watch your favorite team have. Who knows? They might trade for more. Uh, they might trade back and try and that's get true. more. Um, but, but that's how much they have now. All right, so that concludes every team now. Eric, give a clap, everybody. We finished all 32 teams, two biggest needs. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to whoever did that. <laughs> You're um, welcome. <laughs> so that, that concludes the needs before the drafts, and we're going to be doing some mock drafts in the future as well. So I wanted to do the needs before the mock drafts, you know, so we, we all get an understanding of, you know, needs and teams in the draft. But uh speaking of the draft this will be the first of the players coverage so to say about the draft and obviously the quarterbacks are always the most interesting i feel like and this class is no exception because there's potentially five quarterbacks that could go in the top 10 picks which is a lot that's half of the top 10 um was likely to go in the in in the top 10 so with that being said, I wanted to kind of compare our personal lists and see what we agree on, what we disagree on, and the order of these quarterbacks and where we have them uh, compared against one another. Um, and, and also, too, this is a good quarterback class, I think. So being the fifth quarterback in this doesn't mean you're a, you're a bum or anything like that. But, um, 
maybe it does though. Maybe we'll see. Maybe one of you guys think the fifth quarterback will be a bomb, but uh, we'll start things off with number one. It's not really interesting or a debate or anything, but we all have Trevor Lawrence as the number one QB in this draft class. Shocker, everybody. Shocker. Um, but yeah, th- he's basically since he started at Clemson, people thought he would be the number one pick and everything he's done has you know, lived up to that status. So it's no surprise that we all have him number one, like most everybody does. And uh, I'm a, I'm personally a big fan of Trevor. Eric, I know, you, you know, being also a Jags fan with me, uh, just speak to how excited you are about Trevor Lawrence being on our team and, and how good you think he really can be for us. Well, I will just say real quick on a quick side topic. I mean, yeah. uh, I know also people that love this show know that I just absolutely love ESPN and everything they talk about on there. And so uh, that was sarcasm, obviously, but it's obviously we're obviously different than ESPN because you know, if you're watching ESPN right now, they'd be making the case for any of these other guys. To oh be yeah. Better than Trevor Lawrence, you know, <laughs> oh, Zach Wilson's better than Trevor Lawrence or, you know, fields beat Lawrence in the playoff game. So Maybe the Jags should take Fields at number one, or you know, Mac Jones won the national championship. Maybe the Jaguars should take him at number one. I'm like, okay, he's no, from Jacksonville. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah, he right? played for Bowles <laughs> High School. I just learned. Yeah, he 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 should be the Jaguars' number one pick. No, like we're taking Trevor Lawrence. I'm so excited that we're going to have this kid on our team. While I won't be talking too much during this segment, just because I don't watch as much college football as these guys, but. I have watched a good amount of Trevor Lawrence games, and especially after it was looking like the Jags were going to get the number one pick, I've watched him, and he just looks phenomenal. I mean, he can do everything. He's got the size. He's got speed, even for his size. He has an amazing arm. Like, I remember one throw Zach and I talked about in the Ohio State game early on. He was under pressure, and he was kind of fading back, and he still threw a dart to the right to the receiver. I was like, okay, yeah. I'm happy to have this kid on our team. <laughs> so uh, apparently Jack's fans bought him a toaster for his wedding gift. Uh, and he got married. So congrats to him on that. Like, I just, I could not be happier as a Jack's fan that we're about to get this guy. Same dude. Same. Can't say enough good things about Trevor. Um, no Trevor. He has, good, he has good hair. He has good hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got the blocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So so we all agree at number one. That's where the agreement stops, though. And we get to number two, and we have a split decision here on this. So Nate and myself have Justin Fields as the second best quarterback in the draft, and Eric and Caleb have Zach Wilson. I know everybody's thinking that's a shocker. I didn't pick Zach Wilson to be number two since his name is Zach, but... Um, <laughs> Caleb, I do. Ha- I do usually have the Zach bias. That's a real thing. But uh, Caleb, what about Zach Wilson made him number two on your list for you? So I think that Zach Wilson just was able to do so many different things this year that look like your prototypical NFL quarterback. Whether it's playing within the frame of the offense or making off-schedule plays, uh, he has a great deep arm. And he, he did it all while BYU started to get more and more of a spotlight on him. You know, he went out and for the season had 33 touchdowns and only three interceptions, and he was still throwing 11 yards per attempt. So he was not timid with the ball. He was not being, you know, Johnny Checkdown. He was slinging it deep, and he's young. He keeps getting better. And he still had 10 rushing touchdowns this past year. So don't just think about it as, well, Justin Fields can do it through the air and with his legs. Zach Wilson maybe is just sneaky good with his legs as well. I I just think that he's going to continue to develop and get better in the pocket. But what he's able to do outside of the pocket, like I won't say he's like Patrick Mahomes, but we all know that when – Mahomes or Rodgers or any of those guys get out of the pocket and they can get five yards on a play where they could have gotten sacked if they were immobile is a huge difference. And Wilson is able to bring that. That's fair. Um, 
personally, I've got I I have Fields at two. I I still think if you look at his career, college career entirely, like it still is very very good, and he's been he's been in big games before, which is a plus. He's won some big games this year against that Clemson game. And his, like you said, his running, I think he is the best runner, running quarterback in the draft as far as that skill goes. Um, and really, he's had some bad games and stuff, but uh, I don't hold it against him too much. I still think he can be really, really good. Nate, what else about like Fields is why you're keeping him at two? instead of moving him back. Yeah, so basically what you said, um, I think that Fields for me has shown for a couple years at Ohio State that he is um, top NFL QB prospect. I, I've just seen more, I think, of a track record with him. And uh, as far as the physical stuff goes, I think that they are, um, him, and, him and Wilson, I think, are pretty equivalent. I think Lawrence is overall the best Obviously, clear, clearly the best prospect, and they're the next two. But I think um, Fields just – I think he's more of a typical running quarterback. Obviously, they can both run. Wilson's produced really well there on the ground. But I think that Fields, to me, gives off more of, like, Cam Newton kind of vibes. Um, not that he's – not that anyone's going to come in and be like Cam Newton in 2011, um, you know, the way he kind of uh, took over the league almost. But I think he kind of offers more of an upside of – you know, with running the ball, I think his arm is, you know, very capable of making all the throws. So, I don't know, I, I kind of struggle with it, but I just gave the edge to Fields on, uh, really, his track record for me is a little bit um, more comprehensive. Yeah. Does anybody else hear, like, a printer sound? I'm just wondering if I'm the only one or not. No, I was totally yeah, hearing I, that. I hear, I hear something in the background. I don't oh, know what okay. it is. But... I don't know. I'm not. Okay. Well, it seems to have gone away. I don't know. Maybe it was something with Nate's well, mic. It might be my laptop fan. I don't know if. Oh um, well, you, you can't control that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you're, you're gonna get your screwdriver and go in your laptop and turn your fan yeah. down. <laughs> no, no, I don't expect that. I, I was just wondering if you're like printing something. It sounded like that sound, that printing sound. Uh, but moving on, guys, to number three. Not getting too sidetracked. I have Zach Wilson, as does Nate. We both have Zach Wilson, and then Caleb has Trey Lance. Eric has Justin Fields. So. I feel like, you know, Nate and I have the same list. So, like, we have Wilson pretty high, but we have Fields a bit better. So I won't spend much time there. Same thing with uh, with Eric having Fields and Wilson. Like, we're, we're just flip-flopping, you know, there. But the big outlier and one that we want to talk about is Caleb, Trey Lance at three. What's so special about Trey Lance that, that you see in him that we, we are clearly not seeing? <laughs> I think... Trey Lance may very well end up being the steal of this draft. Uh, he comes in at 6'2", 225, so he's not necessarily your prototypical size, which I think does end up hurting him a little bit when it really shouldn't in today's modern NFL. You know, we've got Russell Wilson and Drew Brees who have been two great quarterbacks for over the last 10 years, and clearly they're not setting height records by any means. I just think with what Trey Lance brings as far as his overall athleticism and his decision-making is really tough to argue against. I know he was in a pro-style offense at North Dakota State, and in his last full season back in 2019, he had about 2,800 passing yards, and his touchdown-to-interception ratio was 28 to nothing. And when you add to the fact that he was able to pick up 1,100 yards on the ground and 14 touchdowns, we're talking about quite possibly the best athlete at the quarterback position that would be in the NFL today. I'm not trying to just overhype him. I really think that he might be the best athlete and he, he knows how to run. He knows how to pass. I think that he, if it wasn't for Trevor, there would at least be discussions about Lance going as high as number one in a different year. I just think he's being a little bit overshadowed. People are making too big of a deal about the fact that he went to North Dakota State because it's D2. I think that, yeah, he might be a little bit raw. He didn't play as much this past year because 
FCS did spring football instead of fall football. I think that that means you have someone that you can develop and he doesn't give you things that you don't want to develop. He's got, like I said, if he's bringing the athleticism that can't be taught, you just have to help him, you know, with some of those other skills outside of that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get to my, my thoughts on Lance later down the list. Um, We're going to go now to number four. And this is the Mac Jones slot, as three of us have Mac Jones, that being myself, Eric, and Nate have Mac Jones at four. Caleb has Justin Fields. So um, while we, while three of us have Mac Jones here, I feel like I'm probably going to be the one like most positive on Mac Jones um, because I I do think Mac Jones is getting like unnecessary hate for like how good his team was, you know. Um, here's the thing is that Alabama team with Tua didn't make the college football playoff. And then with Mac Jones starting, they won the college football playoff and were undefeated and were really in no close games at all, except for that. Maybe that, maybe the SEC championship game against Florida was close for a little bit, but, um, Mac Jones, I think, Yes, you can say, oh, man, he had all these great receivers. He's going to be going to a offense that was worse than Alabama's offense and all that sort of stuff. But the, I saw enough good stuff in Mac Jones to make me feel like he'll be a good quarterback. I mean, some of the like his ball placement was really, really good. I thought it wasn't necessary. He wasn't necessarily throwing balls crazy, you know, off target in the receivers were making insane catches like he put the ball where the receivers could catch it. I felt like he did all the things for Nick Saban in that offense that he needed to. And yeah, it was only one season, but I still feel like he has, he showed enough really good stuff. Kind of like Burrow did Burrow. He had a very statistically similar season than to, to what Burrow had. So I feel like, yeah, it's a little risky because he only had that one season, but for the success that he had and it wasn't all he it wasn't like he was just riding the wave i mean he had to play well for them to win so i'm i'm still a fan of mac jones honestly i i really am i i think i i could see him being the third quarterback and i'm not gonna go up in arms about it but that's that's my opinion on mac jones but uh this is the latest we have justin fields going so i'll i'll go back to caleb on why fourth for fields because i do uh, I actually remember your episode that you did like it was before the NFL season even started. You did a mock draft for 2021 and you had the Jaguars picking first, I want to say, and you had them taking Justin Fields first before the season started. Um, so I know I'm pretty sure that was you, not Sean, but maybe it was Sean. But what's caused Fields to fall down so far for you? I I think that it's just a little bit of inefficiency. And then also I worry a little bit about how much production in that Ohio state offense is really fields versus just having tons of talent at Ohio state. Um, It's maybe you would say Jones is being penalized a little bit for the talent around him. I think that I might be doing a little bit of that to fields. I also just am riding a little bit higher on the other guys on the list. I I don't know that being fourth on the list right now is a bad thing, but I also go, he did have more picks this year than he did previously. Now I also realize for better or worse for Justin Fields, 2020 was one of the weirdest college football seasons ever. So am I grading him off of that? Yes, a little bit. Is that harsh? Yes, a little bit. <laughs> I, but at the same time, I can't ignore the numbers and what he did there. I also have a tough time. Like, I don't know how he couldn't beat out Jake Fromm, and that really confuses me. Uh I know things like that happen with college, but it is what it is. 
Yeah, well, I mean, didn't Haskins beat out Joe Burrow? So I like... know, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, that's true. It's weird. Um, all right, so now the fifth and final spot is for our quarterback list. This is the Trey Lance spot. Eric, Nate, myself have Trey Lance at five. This is where Mac Jones is for Caleb. And so, I, I mean, I don't want to. Here's the thing about Trey Lance, in my opinion. The reason, really, the reason he's at five for me is I don't know him well enough as I know the other guys. But I'll say this about Lance is to me, if you're picking any of these quarterbacks, he is the most risky of them all. I mean, most risky. He could, there's six, seven, eight could be better than Lance, honestly, because he hasn't played for a season and we only saw one season of him at like the Alabama equivalent of FCS and at North Dakota state. And yeah, it was good, but I'm, I still don't understand quite exactly why he's being talked about as highly as he is. When you have these other guys who have played for longer and had more, you know, more, more, I don't know what I'm saying. Just more uh, track record of, of games and stuff. So for that, I'm putting him at five. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, he might be a superstar and stuff, but I just think it's so risky to take a guy like Trey Lance. Uh, so obviously, some team's going to do it, but I'm personally not going to say he's going to have a great career, but I, I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, I, I'm wondering, Caleb, is that kind of what you're going to say about Mac Jones as well for him being at five for you? I, I think for Mac Jones, I am a little bit worried about uh, what people have said about arm strength. I don't know how much I trust it for Mac Jones compared to some of the other players above. If you're, I, I mean, I basically said before we were recording, I'm a huge fan of arm strength. Trevor definitely has it. Zach Wilson has a great deep ball. I think Trey Lance can throw it deep. I think Justin Fields can throw it deep. I think every one of them can throw the deep ball better than Mac Jones. And I think that you have to be able to keep that defense playing further back because if they're going to cover you up high, up in the box, it's going to be crazy tough to move the ball. All right, that's fair. I mean, that, that's definitely, I think, the biggest criticism with him would be arm strength, and, and I hear you. It seems like the best quarterbacks these days all have cannons for arms, so I, I can understand it. But uh, but we'll we'll see what happens on draft day, guys. Um, it's going to be really interesting. And to give you guys a bit of a heads up for Clutch Crew Sports, as far as we're concerned, uh, the next two episodes, guys, are going to be mock drafts. So like last year, we're coming out with a mock 1.0 and a mock 2.0 drafted by the crew. So that's going to be a lot of fun like it was last year. I'm super excited for that. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great time, guys. Caleb, thank you for joining us on this episode. It was great having you, man. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. And until then, everybody, remember, be clutch. See ya. Bye. Peace.